There is a new religion in the United States. That religion is secular leftism. And that secular leftist religion demands that you not look at facts. Instead, you just look at the narrative presented and then believe it. This is what the Me Too movement was about. It didn't matter if you asked for ancillary facts to support a contention. Didn't matter if you weren't even really doubting the contention. You just wanted some evidentiary support. No, you needed to believe all women. When it comes to DEI, it's the same sort of shtick. You're you're supposed to believe that DEI is good for business. It's good for everyone. It has positive externalities, intersectionality, same sort of thing. These are narratives, and the narratives must be believed. The media love seizing on particular stories that they believe drive the narrative and then ignoring all of the facts of that story in order to achieve the narrative. Today's latest example comes courtesy of a terrible story out of Oklahoma in which a 16-year-old girl who called herself gender non-binary died. Her name was Nex Benedict. And apparently, according to the media, she collapsed the day after an altercation in a girl's bathroom at a public high school. So she was gender non-binary, self-declared. And we here on the show actually label people by their biological sex because that's the way that it works in reality. But this confused teenager died in tragic circumstances, but we don't actually know how this person died. The one thing that we do know, according to the autopsy now, is that this person was not actually murdered in the bathroom. The original report out of this Oklahoma school is that this person had an altercation in a girl's bathroom with other girls and then was effectively beaten to death or at least injured so badly that she then ended up dying the next day. And the media ran with this story. Not only did they run with this story, they used this story as a prop in order to push against two particular political elements. One is Chaya Rechik, our friends over at Libs of TikTok, whose great sin in the modern political world has been to take clips of the left doing things and expose them to broader public view, to just watch what people are doing on TikTok and then say, well, you know, here's what they're doing. And then people notice that's her great sin. It's not even her advocacy they hate. It's the fact that people are doing something publicly, wanting attention, and then she gives them attention, but from people who don't necessarily all provide a warm round of applause for all of the insanity going on at TikTok. So Chaya Rachik is a is a person who is on the statewide library advisory board for the state of Oklahoma. And so this means the media are now going to try to pin the death of this person, this, this young lady next Benedict. They're trying to they're trying to blame this person's death on Chaya because they've been trying to blame pretty much everything on Chaya for the last couple of years. If there's a bomb threat at a hospital that provides quote-unquote gender-confirming care, which would be sex change care, sex denial care, is really a more accurate label for it because when you actually cut off people's healthy body parts, that is a denial of their sex in favor of a subjective version of of gender they have in their head. When there's a bomb threat against one of those hospitals, after Chaya reveals what exactly they do at the hospital, they blame it on Chaya. When a girl gets dies in disputed circumstances in Oklahoma high school, they try to blame Chaya for this. And the basic idea is that she's a quote-unquote stochastic terrorist. This is a term that they've been using for Chaya for the last couple of years. It's a term that means nothing. It's a term in which they suggest that without inciting, she is, in fact, responsible for incitement. So she's never called for violence against anybody, but they're going to claim that she is responsible for violence that is done by anybody who might theoretically see material that she posts, including material of people who have publicly posted the material themselves. So she's target number one. And target number two is a law in the state of Oklahoma that says that you have to go to the bathroom at school of your sex. You cannot be a boy and go into the girl's bathroom just because you claim you're a girl. And if you're a girl and you claim that you're gender non-binary, you can't walk into the boy's bathroom and start using the urinal. And so the media decided that this would be like an amazing case 
They jumped on it immediately. It was national news when next Benedict died. Now, there are lots of people who die across the country every day in the United States, and many of them are clearly murdered. We're not talking under disputed circumstances. We are talking literally every day in the United States. Many, many people are murdered. By the way, disproportionately, people of color, minorities, young black males murdered disproportionately pretty much every day in the United States. Gets zero media coverage because that would not promote the narrative that the left wishes to promote. Which is, of course, that pretty much everything in the United States is a result of American racism because it turns out that the vast majority of those people who are being killed are also being killed by other young black males. We don't cover that. Right again, the facts don't matter. Only the narrative matters. The narrative here seemed to be one that the left could use. And so they jumped on this thing with both feet. We'll get to more on that in just one moment. First, free. You know that, that word? It should mean free, which is why when you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that is built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, plus mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company of excellent coverage. That coverage has been getting me through the day for the last couple of years. They're awesome. They don't hate you. So what do you have to lose? Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch over today. So Teen Vogue, which has suddenly become a, a source of information, they pushed a piece saying, quote, on February 8th, next, who identified within the two-spirit transgender and gender nonconforming umbrella was declared dead at the hospital after being beaten by three girl classmates in the bathroom of Owasso High School on February 7th. Now LGBTQ plus Oklahomans are mourning the loss of a straight-A student, a Minecraft fan, an animal lover, a teenager in a school district previously targeted by libs of TikTok's Haya Raychik. Raychik now sits on the statewide library advisory board. In 2023, Oklahoma censured the state's only non-binary representative, not to mention signing into law a bill forcing public school students to use the bathroom associated with their gender assigned at birth. Advocates are currently closely watching several anti-trans pieces of legislation. Before Benedict's name was made public, a source who claimed to be the mother of Benedict's best friend told a local outlet the cause of death was, quote, complications from brain trauma and that three older girls were beating the victim and her daughter in the girl's bathroom. We're not linking because the story uses Benedict's dead name. According to Freedom Oklahoma, it's not presently clear which pronouns Benedict used. So this story will refrain from using any pronouns at all for next. Because, the, again, the media are not interested in reporting actual facts. If you read these stories, you have no idea if this person is a biological girl or if this person is a biological boy, by the way. But, again, obscuring information is what the media are now typically good for. It's what the legacy media do. According to Teen Vogue, the anonymous source also alleged Benedict couldn't walk to the nurse's station without assistance and that the school did not call an ambulance while the school claims they were unaware of the fight until informed by a parent. Text allegedly sent by Nex after the fight to a family member began, quote, I got jumped at school, three on one, had to go to the ER. They'd been bullying me and my friends. I got tired of it, so I poured some water on them, and all three came after me. School did not report to the police and is probably getting sued. Benedict's grandmother, Sue, who also adopted Nex, brought Nex to the hospital after the fight, then home again. The next day, Nex was brought back to the hospital and was pronounced dead. Sue told the independent Nex was suspended for two weeks from school on the day of the fight. Sue also mentioned that Nex had been bullied throughout the school year. Okay, so everybody on the left ran with this story. This is front page news across the country. And then, as it turns out, this person 
may not have died as a result of the actual beating. Apparently, according to the uh, according to the autopsy, the autopsy suggested the opposite. According to USA Today, as police continued Thursday to probe the death of the Oklahoma teen, authorities announced a preliminary autopsy showed the student's death was not the result of trauma. They have not yet released the results of a toxicology report. So they have no information on whether drugs were involved or anything else. What we do know is that the autopsy does not attribute this to trauma. It doesn't matter. The cat is already out of the bag. The story already has legs and it's already running because this is the way our legacy media work. So this becomes just another hate crime against a person who apparently was involved in kind of an ongoing altercation with these other girls pouring water on them. They were beating her up. And again, bullying of any sort is truly terrible. Shouldn't be tolerated at any school. The attempt of the media, however, to turn this into a weapon against the basic idea that sex exists or against legislation suggesting that girls should be protected from boys in the girls' bathroom. By the way, there is no evidence whatsoever that the Oklahoma law that says that girls should go to the girls' bathroom is responsible for this. Is there evidence that she would have been much better off if she had started using the boys' bathroom at this Oklahoma school? And absolutely unclear. One thing that is clear, by the way, is that actually the news story assuming this is Teen Vogue, that went viral after Next's death included allegation that teachers failed to summon medical care and that Next was so badly injured in the fight that she couldn't walk on her own. Police and school officials both said those claims were false. In a statement on Facebook, the Owasso Police Department said each student involved in the fight quote, walked under their own power to the assistant principal's nurses, the assistant principal's office and the nurse's office after it was broken up and a registered nurse then assessed the health of each student involved in the fight. She determined ambulance service was not required, but recommended the next visit a medical facility for further examination. And next did go to a hospital that afternoon. Doesn't matter. The story is more important. And this is the pattern for the left. How many race stories about supposed systemic American racism by police have turned out to be just lies? Whether it is Michael Brown, whether it is Trayvon Martin, the suggestion of which was that he was beaten to death randomly by a white Hispanic, whether it is the, the hands up, don't shoot narrative of Michael Brown, what, whether it is the whether it is the George Floyd supposed racial killing that provided zero evidence whatsoever that anything that happened was motivated by race, like literally zero evidence was even alleged or presented in court in that case, beyond which it's pretty obvious that George Floyd died of medical complications and that he didn't actually die because of the mishandling by Derek Chauvin by autopsy reports. It doesn't matter. Once the narrative is set, the narrative is set. This goes all the way back to Matthew Shepard, which was the chief case used by the gay rights movement all the way back in 1998. There's a, an entire play called The Laramie Project that was based on the death of Matthew Shepard. And it was supposedly about this innocent hearted gay young man in Wyoming who was beat to death by a couple of assailants, Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson who pistol whipped him with a gun and tied him to a fence in freezing conditions and, fire, and set, set him on fire. And this was like the chief case. I remember because I was in school at the time. I remember when this broke nationally. And this story was treated as like the evidence that America was a deeply homophobic, awful place for gay people. And Matthew Shepard was like case 1A. And then as it turns out, virtually everything you knew about the case was a lie. It turns out that according to a journalist named Stephen Jimenez, who conducted 13 years interviewing more than 100 people with a connection to the case. The actual story of the Matthew Shepard death had nothing to do with him being gay. 
In fact, Jimenez found that Shepard was addicted to, this is according to The Guardian, and dealing crystal meth and had dabbled in heroin. He took significant sexual risks and was pimped alongside Aaron McKinney, who was one of his killers, with whom he'd had occasional sexual encounters. He was HIV positive at the time of his death. Jimenez says this does not make the perfect poster boy for the gay rights movement. Matthew's drug abuse and the fact that he knew one of the killers prior to the attack was never explored in court. Neither was the rumor that the killers knew he had access to a shipment of crystal meth with a street value of 10 grand, which they wanted to steal. So, but by the way, Laramie is considered the most liberal town in Wyoming. Employment is dominated by the University of Wyoming. So they, they just decided that they weren't going to, you know, actually pay attention to the story. And this is how the media run their grift. The media is populated by people on the far left. Those people on the far left have a story they want to tell about the way that the world works. And if the evidence does not line up with the story, they just ignore the evidence. And they tell the story that they want to tell in pursuit of the ends they want to pursue. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, are you tired of feeling sluggish, run down, just not your best self? Take control of your health and vitality with Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. They use an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing their natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature fruit and veggie capsules are, you know, like fruits and veggies. Past producer on this show, Jess, she's hanging out in the office today. She told me she hates shiitake mushrooms. Well, she is right to do so. And that's why we are giving her a bottle of fiber and spice today. Congratulations, Jess. Right now, you can order with promo code Shapiro to get 35% off your first order plus a free fiber and spice supplement. There's never been an easier way to make sure you are getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Experience Balance of Nature for yourself today. Head over to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer and that free bottle of fiber and spice. Again, that's balanceofnature.com, promo code Shapiro. Now, the problem with this particular perspective is that the results of it are truly bad because when you lie about how stories actually go down, when you lie about the evidence, you end up making bad policy. When you end up ignoring reality in favor of a narrative you wish to tell about the world, you end up running directly up against reality. And this is true pretty much everywhere. This is why yesterday when we were discussing Google Gemini and the morons who decided the policymaking for Google Gemini put in a bunch of parameters that basically banned white males from being generated under any circumstances. So you end up with people typing in founding father and coming up with black female George Washington or type in, draw me the Pope and you end up with an Indian woman, right? The, the people who did that run up directly against reality. Now, the danger is they can try to change reality. That's what the media do. That's what our, our bosses in social media try to do. It's what members of government have tried to do historically, try to change the reality around you, incept into reality a narrative that doesn't make any sense. But reality always wins. This is one of my slogans, folks. Reality always wins. It may, may take a long time and it may drive you nuts because they're gaslighting you. They will tell you a story that's false and tell you that you noticing the story is false is bad. This is, again, this is why they're going after Chaya. Because Chaya has, has committed the grave sin of asking for evidence of contentions and or providing evidence of opposite contentions. But eventually reality does win. And, and now because everything moves so quickly, reality is winning faster than ever. And this is scaring the left, which is why, like Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars, they're trying to grip galaxies that they cannot hold. Like they, they, they are trying to grip tighter and tighter. The censorship regime is getting tighter and tighter because as reality gets away from them, they have to try to exert more and more control, but it's not going to work. You're seeing that most clearly with regard to what's happening in our colleges. So I mentioned this briefly yesterday, but it actually is a quite amazing story. 
Yale, according to Axios, is the latest elite university to reverse its pandemic era test optional policy and will now again require standardized test scores to apply the SAT or the ACT. Why? Well, because it turns out that counter to the idiotic narrative that your life experiences are a better predictor of your actual success than, you know, a basic IQ test, which is essentially what the SAT or the ACT is. Reality wins every time. So the correlation, as it turns out, between SAT and ACT results and future student success is actually better than all of the things that they've been saying are going to be predictive. Like, you know, these student essays about your victimized childhood. Yale said on Thursday it would resume requiring test scores of all applicants, expanding from the SAT and ACT to also include AP and IB exam results. Dartmouth has now done the same thing. At Brown, a commit Brown is the most liberal of all of these schools. I mean, I've been to virtual, I've been to virtually all the Ivies at this point and spoken at m- most of them. And I got to tell you, Brown is just ridiculous. Brown is developing a committee to create recommendations on standardizing testing, legacy admissions, and early decision. Other schools like Harvard, Cornell, and Princeton are announcing extensions on test optional policies. Columbia went all the way. Columbia just made it permanent. They said, we're not going to test. So what's going to happen with those schools? When I say that they run up against reality, here's what's going to happen with those schools. The reason these schools exist is because they are credentialing institutions, not because they teach you life skills you need to know, not because they even teach you the things you should know as a good member of Western civilization. That died long ago. The idea of college as a sort of intellectual breeding ground for good Western citizens who actually know their ABCs, that's gone away. You're not made a better citizen by college. In fact, very good case, you're made a significantly worse citizen by college because college has now become about the college experience, which mainly is screwing and drinking. And doing pot now. And you're, you're sent away from your parents to go do all of that. And that's what people mean when they say the college experience. They don't mean exchanging different ideas with diverse groups of people because that's not allowed on college campuses anymore. They mean the sex, the alcohol, and the drugs, effectively. And being induced into a very left-wing view of the United States and the world. Okay, but what were these universities good for if they weren't teaching life skills and if they weren't making you a better citizen and if they weren't making you smarter or anything like that? What were they really good for? Their sorting mechanisms. We all know this. It is illegal in the United States for employers to use IQ tests to admit you to employment. It was made illegal by the Supreme Court back in the 1970s. There was a case in which they decided that it was discriminatory. Why? For the same reasons that all these universities tried and failed to actually get rid of the ACT and SAT. It turns out that whatever IQ tests were being used by employers were deemed discriminatory because not enough people of color were doing well on them. So the Supreme Court simply said that you could not use them for employment. That they, were, that they were a violation of the Civil Rights Act. And well, colleges found a way around that by creating these quasi-IQ tests, which are the SAT and the ACT. And then they use those. And the reason that the credential meant something is because that was the only way that employers could tell if you were smart or not. They couldn't tell by your grades in school because you might've gone to a crappy school and getting an A at a crappy school ain't that hard. But they could tell by looking at which college you went to. Because the colleges were sorting you. If you went to Harvard, there was a 99.99% shot that you were a smarter person than a person who went to the local JUCO. Okay, but what happens when Harvard gets rid of its admission standards? Then its credential is no longer worth anything. The credential dies. Now, again, this is not true for everything at Harvard, right? Harvard's STEM program, still really good. This is true at the vast majority of colleges. But a liberal arts degree, which is what I paid for. I went to UCLA, I got a poli-sci degree. And then I went to Harvard Law School and got a law degree. Did any of that teach me how to be a lawyer? Not much. Maybe one year of law school was necessary. Maybe a year and a half at most. 
But what that really said was I had a high IQ. And that was true for the vast majority of people in a liberal arts college that was an Ivy League. And so when you get rid of the SAT or the ACT, what happens? You end up watering down your student population. The credential is now worth less. And remember, the, in, the college degree and the, the nature of the place where you get the college degree has become more important over time as more and more people have entered college. So it used to be that just having a college degree alone acted as a sort of imprimatur of IQ. Because there was a time in American history where not all that many people went to college, where the vast majority of people could get a job out of high school. And then the federal government, in all of its wisdom, decided that because people who went to college earned more money, everyone needed to go to college, which is a tremendous logical leap. That's really stupid. The reason that people who went to college earned more than people who went to high school is because, again, that was a sorting mechanism. And so what did they do? They decided everyone should go to college. Well, once you decide everyone should go to college, then the college credential loses its luster. So you have to keep putting upward pressure on the credentialing system. So now the Ivy Leagues mean a lot. But it turns out that you water down the system, even the Ivy Leagues don't mean enough. So now you have to get a post-grad degree. We'll get to more on this in one second. First, folks, I got to tell you, I am exhausted because my little three-year-old last night decided to get us all up at 3 a.m., which means that right now I am fueled on Rage and Black Rifle Coffee. If you haven't tried Black Rifle Coffee yet, now is the perfect time to do so. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order with promo code Shapiro at BlackRifleCoffee.com. You'll see why they are becoming one of the most popular coffee companies in the country. Black Rifle Coffee is veteran-founded and veteran-run. They take pride in serving coffee and culture to people who love the country. When you shop with Black Rifle Coffee, your money goes a long way toward giving back to those who serve our nation. Every purchase you make helps fuel their mission to support veterans and first responders. This includes everything from getting much-needed equipment to first responders to helping veterans fight cancer and more. Plus, Black Rifle Coffee just announced a massive new partnership with the UFC, which they kicked off with a huge donation to the Hunter 7 Foundation. Black Rifle Coffee sources exotic roasts from award-winning farms worldwide. Their stuff is awesome. Don't take my word for it. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com right now. Get 20% off your purchase with code Shapiro. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com, promo code Shapiro. So what does this mean? It means simultaneously over time, more and more people have gone to college. And also it means, unsurprisingly, that according to the Wall Street Journal, half of all college grads are working jobs that do not use their degrees. We've created an entire scam credentialing system rooted in a bunch of bad evidence and bad data. Things like, IQ tests don't matter, or SATs and ACTs don't matter, or everyone should go to college no matter their intelligence level. Now, all these things are, are not just propositions without evidence. They are propositions to which there is tremendous evidence to the contrary. So what's happening? These colleges are having to reinstate all of these tests now to fight back against all of this. It's also the reason why, the, by the way, but Democrats, again, have an interest. People on the left have an interest in preserving the narrative, which is why you have Joe Biden trying to now force everyone in the United States to subsidize the lesbian dance theory majors of people who got 1,200 on their SAT. That is, what, that is what Joe Biden is doing. When he talks about relieving student loan debt, that is what he is doing. Understand that when James Clyburn, who's Joe Biden's biggest supporter, when he says relieving student loan debt is not giving money away, he is lying. It is 100% giving money away. And it's giving money away from the people who actually have jobs to people who either should have gotten jobs based on their credentials or don't have jobs because they got a stupid credential. Going forward, every two months, uh, for the next four years, another 75,000 people will become eligible for this forgiveness. And I want to say to your listeners, this is not giving anybody's money away. Okay, it is giving the money away. But again, this is going to come face-to-face -face with reality as well. The college system is going to fall down. There's a reason, by the way, why a lot of blue-collar workers have turned toward the Republicans, are turning toward President Trump. 
There's a reason for that. According to Axios, one of America's most powerful labor unions has now reported its first major donation to Republicans in two decades after meeting with former President Trump last month. The Teamsters gave a $45,000 donation to the RNC's convention fund per the FEC reports. The reported contribution is not an endorsement, but it's a powerful statement from a union that has supported every Democratic presidential candidate since Al Gore. It represents the Teamsters' first big donation to the RNC since 2004. Why? Because the Democratic Party is built around people who want these narratives, around people who benefit from these narratives, around white college-educated liberals, and around people who are interested in being told that failure in American society is a result of American racism and discrimination. That is the entire Democratic coalition. You know what I don't like that? Maybe truckers, you know, people who work really hard every day and maybe don't have that college degree are working their ass off to get you the stuff you need across the country every single day. Maybe they're not enamored or enchanted by the nonsense that is being pushed on college campuses and now imbibed wholesale by the media and promulgated wholesale by the government. Maybe they don't like that very much. And reality always wins. And that's true whether you're talking about economics, whether you're talking about bathroom policy, reality is always very, very likely to win. By the way, where is America's true growth going to happen? What's going to end up breaking the college system in the end is going to be tech. Not the tech bros who are designing the Google AI, but the ones who aren't, the ones who actually care about data. Right now, the, the greatest advantage the United States holds is in innovation. This is why the American semiconductor maker NVIDIA is now valued at $2 trillion, $2 trillion. Why? What do they do? They design sophisticated microchips. They don't manufacture those. Those are being manufactured by TSMC over in Taiwan. Just another reason why the United States has an interest in a muscular foreign policy. Because for all those people who believe that foreign policy doesn't affect American policy, if China takes Taiwan and Taiwan is forced to either destroy its microchips or turn them over to the Chinese government, Things are about to get very hairy for a lot of Americans directly and in terms of American companies. In any case, NVIDIA has reported skyrocketing revenues and profits from selling chips powering artificial intelligence. NVIDIA is a massive success. Why? Because they care about results. And that's true for any successful business. Successful businesses care about results. DEI, the myths of the left, they do not comport with reality. And because they do not comport with reality, the left hates the reality. But guess what? The reality is going to win sooner or later. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, Grand Canyon University. It's a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. And GCU actually shares our values. They believe that we are all endowed with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And they equip you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing, creating ripple effects of transformation for generations to come. Whether you're pursuing a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your degree. GCU will meet you where you are, provide a path to help you fulfill your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Find your purpose today at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. That's gcu.edu. Okay, meanwhile, over in the United Kingdom, we are seeing the wages of mass migration and multiculturalism. So approximately 15% of the entire population of London is now Muslim. That 6.5% of the population of all of the UK is Muslim. That means that the Muslim population of the UK has risen 44% in one decade alone, according to ArabNews.com. The second most common ethnic group in the UK is now Asian, Asian British, or Asian Welsh, making up 9.3% of the population. 
that the, the category Asian includes Muslims in, in the UK. That is, they, they count them as South Asian very often if they're from Pakistan, for example. London is now two-thirds ethnic minority. Other major cities like Leicester, Luton, and Birmingham have become home to minority majorities driven by significant increases in Asian communities from Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, and East Africa. That is according to the 2021 census. Okay, so what impact has that had on the UK? Well, it means a lot of tolerance for Islamic extremism and Islamic radicalism. When the West doesn't, again, reality always wins. Multiculturalism is a lie and a myth. And when you imbibe deep from that lie and that myth, what you end up doing is destroying your own civilization. And we saw that break out into the open over the course of the last few days in London's House of Commons. So just to set the stage, there has been a mass uptick in incidents of Islamic terrorism over the course of the last decade and a half in London. That ranges from the attack on Stephen Timms, who was a, a politician in Britain, this would be in 2010. This was a person, a person inspired by Al-Qaeda attacked a, a member of the British Parliament. That was in 2010. Fast forward to 2021. Conservative MP for South End West named Sir David Amos was actually murdered after being stabbed 20 times by an ISIS fanatic. Members of Parliament being attacked. So much so, that just a couple of weeks ago, according to National Review, a Tory member of parliament who represents a largely Jewish constituency announced his resignation Thursday after receiving a barrage of death threats following his support for Israel and condemnation of anti-Semitism in the UK. After serving more than 30 years in public office, MP Mike Freer, who represents Finchley and Golders Green, Golders Green is the most Orthodox Jewish area of London, said he is not pursuing the seat again as a Conservative Party candidate in the next general election. Here he was explaining. So, Mike Freer, you're going to leave politics. You always said that you wouldn't. Why are you doing it now? I think um, there comes a point when the threats to your personal safety become too much and also too much for our spouses and our family. And, um, you know, we can't do this job without the support of our spouses and family. And so too many incidents, some of them a lot of low level, which all MPs cope with, and um, two or three very serious ones, which... Uh, you know, threaten my personal safety. So at some point you have to say enough. And what, what sort of threats have you had? Uh, well, obviously I had um, run-ins with Muslims Against Crusades who had a very unsubtle threat um, about coming to stab me. Um, then, of course, Ali Habibi Ali, who then went on to kill David Amos, came to Finchley uh, before he went on to uh, kill Sir David. Uh, and then recently the arson attack in my office. So, you know, those are the most serious ones. But, you know, when you come out of your house and find notes left on your car or mock Molotov cocktails on the office steps, um, followed around Brent Cross Shopping Centre where someone's shouting, you're useless, you're useless. It all adds up to saying there must be a better way to, uh, to live. Don't worry, it's just multiculturalism. On the advice of police, the police told him to do this. Freer and his team have been wearing stab vests when out in public with constituents. They literally wear around vests so that if they are stabbed, they won't die. Meanwhile, you have the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, who's a radical on his own, who was calling for a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip as of October 27th, 2023. We're not talking about like now when we are in late February. It's dumb enough to call for a ceasefire now when Israel's on the verge of victory over Hamas. But he was calling for a ceasefire in Gaza literally one week after Israel started its aerial attacks in Gaza and about two weeks 
after the actual murder of 1,200 Jews inside Israel and while 240 hostages were still being held in the Gaza Strip. Here's Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London. Remember, this is what the wages of multiculturalism are quite real. Here was the mayor of London. This is back in October of 2023. This is all predicate to what happened over the course of the last week. The terrible situation in Gaza now looks set to deteriorate even further. Thousands of innocent civilians, men, women, and children have already been killed. And it's becoming impossible for aid to reach the people who desperately need it. Substantial military escalation is now likely, which will only deepen the humanitarian disaster. Sadiq Khan, of course, has been a a very anti-Israel force since he entered office as London's mayor. He's a member of the Labour Party. The Labour Party has been rift like the Democratic Party in the United States between the wild anti-Semitism of Jeremy Corbyn and the sort of more moderate left-wingism of Keir Starmer, who is the new Labour leader. Corbyn was ousted after failing dramatically in his last electoral attempt. Well, Keir Starmer has now been forced into taking the left-wing position with regard to a ceasefire. So earlier this week, because of pressure on his left, he called for a permanent ceasefire. An end to the fighting, not just now, not just for a pause, but permanently. A ceasefire that lasts, conference, that is what must happen now. The fighting must stop now. Any ceasefire cannot be one-sided. It must stop all acts of violence on both What actually happened with Keir Starmer? So what actually happened with Keir Starmer here is that there is another party in the UK parliament. And this is how this broke out. So yesterday and over the course of the last week, there's been heavy, heavy pressure on the UK parliament to adopt some sort of resolution condemning Israel for defending itself in Gaza. And this has amounted to members of parliament being threatened. Here's some tape of a member of parliament being chased down by a mob. Have him be protected by the police. This is how this works now. Members of the police being taunted and all the rest. Oh, multiculturalism. It's working out amazingly well in the UK, just beautifully well in the UK. Meanwhile, genocidal slogans were being projected on Big Ben during the debate in Parliament over whether to condemn Israel for defending itself. You can see the tape of it. It's amazing stuff. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build 
a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The one eight seven seven cars for kids K-A-R-S, you know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org slash Ben. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. This video of Big Ben, by the way, the UK does not have the same sort of free speech regulations that the United States has. There's no First Amendment in the UK. So they do have hate speech regulations that if they are to apply, ought to apply equally. They literally they literally projected on Big Ben from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is a genocidal anti-Jewish slogan, as everyone knows at this point. Naturally, because the Met police are scared stiff of the radical Islamic population of their own city, they put out a statement, quote, this is a chant that has been frequently heard at pro-Palestinian demonstrations for many years. We are very aware of the strength of feeling in relation to it. While there are scenarios where chanting or using these words could be unlawful depending on the specific location or context, its use in a wider public protest setting, such as last night, is not a criminal offense. Weird, because if uh, anyone called for the full-scale obliteration of Pakistan, I ha- which was established in the same one-and-a-half-year period as Israel, I have doubts that that would be okay with the Met Police. Okay, all of this set the stage for utter chaos that broke out in Parliament the other night. We'll get to that in a moment. First, the time to join Daily Wire Plus is here during our President's Day sale. Right now, get 30% off your Daily Wire Plus annual membership with code DW30 at checkout. Your Daily Wire Plus membership is your exclusive backstage pass to engaging in conversations with the smartest, most trusted talents in the country. It's your front row seat to the Daily Wire's upcoming hit movies and series like The Pendragon Cycle and Mr. Bertram. It's your inside access to ad-free, uncensored news and opinions that truly matter to you. So why wait? This is your chance to experience it all and more for 30% off during our President's Day sale. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code DW30 at checkout. Okay, meanwhile, so all of this broke out into the open in the UK Parliament the other day. Just a few days ago, the Speaker of the House of Commons, who's a former member of the Labour Party, allowed for a bunch of amendments. So basically, there was a there were three separate ceasefire motions that were put out in the House of Commons. None of them were binding on the government. The first came from the Conservative Party. It called for an immediate ceasefire only under circumstances in which Hamas freed all Israeli hostages and relinquished control of Gaza, which, by the way, Israel would support. The second was put forward by the SNP. The SNP is the Scottish National Party. They are far left, and they've been urging an immediate ceasefire, and they included in their resolution a condemnation to, quote, an end to the collective punishment of the Palestinian people, which is full-scale Hamas language. And this was a very uncomfortable position for labor. Labor, again, is split between people who are not wildly anti-Israel and people who really hate Jews. And because of that, the Labor House of Commons speaker decided to allow illegally, like against procedure, an amendment from the Labor Party that effectively called for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire without mentioning the collective punishment nonsense from the SNP. According to the Times of Israel, the move to help labor leader Keir Starmer, who avoided another major rebellion among his lawmakers on the war, thanks to his proposal getting a vote. That meant labor members of parliament could vote on their party's plan and would not have to defy leadership by voting in support of the SNP's amendment. And this, of course, broke out into the open. 
So the Speaker of the House, Lindsey Hoyle, was immediately accused of trying to help out labor, which is the opposition party right now. And then he explained why he really did it. And he says he didn't do it because he was trying to help out labor. He says that he did this because he didn't want there to be a terrorist attack on the House of Commons. When you have the legislature of a country attempting to pass legislation or consider legislation because they are afraid of a terror attack, like an immediate terror attack, something has gone deeply wrong in your country. Here is the Speaker of the House, Lindsey Hoyle, explaining. Every member matters to me in this house. And it has been said. Both sides. I never, ever want to go through a situation where I pick up a phone to find a friend of whatever side has been murdered by terrorists. I also don't want another attack on this house. I have a duty of care that I will carry out to protect people. It is the protection that led me to make a wrong decision. But what I do not apologise is the risk that's being put on all members at the moment. I had serious meetings yesterday with the police on the issues and threats to politicians, threats heading to an election. And I do not want anything to happen again. So yes, I will apologise. I always will when I make a mistake. I did. I offer an SO24. That is within my gift and power. But I will also say I will do whatever it is to protect anybody in this chamber or anybody who works in this house. That is my duty of care. That's an amazing statement. That's an amazing statement. So the Speaker of the House of Commons is admitting that he is changing parliamentary procedure because he is afraid that members of parliament will be attacked and killed. And there's only one side in London that is doing the attacking and the killing right now, and it ain't the Jews. The fact is that, of course, you have seen the massive protests. We've all seen them. When I spoke at Oxford and Cambridge, the presence of radical Islamists on on UK soil is extreme and real. There's no question about this. And these giant protests that you've seen, 300, 400,000 people in the streets protesting on behalf of Hamas, that is why the House of Commons is now running like a preserve of fearful... I mean, look at the size of these protests. It's insane. These are people who are protesting on behalf of a terrorist group, Hamas, of the preservation of the terrorist group, Hamas. That is what is happening. And the UK Parliament is falling for it. This is what happens when you ignore reality. When you ignore the reality, which is that multiculturalism is a giant failure. When you ignore that reality, this is what you end up with. And it is a disaster. It is a full-scale disaster. A Jewish MP named Andrew Percy talked about the intimidation of members of Parliament. If we have a rerun of the debate we had yesterday, we will have exactly the same thing happen again, which is that members will not vote with their hearts because they are frightened and they are scared. And what what do we expect? For months I've been standing up here talking about the people on our streets demanding death to Jews, demanding jihad, demanding intifadas, as the police stand by and allow that to happen. Last night, a genocidal call from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, was projected onto this building. That, that message says no Jew is welcome in uh, the state of Israel or in that land. This is going to continue happening because we're not dealing with it. So if we have a rerun of this, 
Can the leader explain to me what will be any different and how will members vote with their hearts and their consciences? Because too many will not at the moment because of the threats we're receiving, threats that are telling us to leave this country in some of our cases and telling us that they want us or our families to be subjected to pain and to death. This is what happens in a country that has completely lost its way. And the United States can lose its way in the same exact form and fashion. When you decide to ignore reality, this is what happens to you too as a country. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has now escalated sanctions on more than 500 Russian targets. This comes amidst the reports of the murder of Alexei Navalny. I'm going to assume it's a murder because, I mean, that's pretty much obviously the case. So in any case, Joe Biden yesterday met with the widow of Alexei Navalny. He said, today I met with Yulia and Dasha Navalnaya, Alexei Navalny's loved ones to express my condolences for their devastating loss. Alexei's legacy of courage will live on in Yulia and Dasha and the countless people across Russia fighting for democracy and human rights. Afterward, by the way, he then walked out to a car that was to take him to a different location and proceeded to call her Yolanda. I'm not kidding you. Her name is Yulia. That's not even like Yolanda isn't even a Russian name. Like in any case, the president of the United States has not been with us for some time. Also, apparently in a meeting with donors, Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin a crazy SOB. Here is what uh, here's what CNN reported yesterday. Off script, off camera and amongst friends, Democratic supporters and donors is where President Biden appears most comfortable leveling some of his sharpest and most direct attacks. Speaking at a fundraising event in San Francisco last night, the president took aim at several of his adversaries, including Russian President Vladimir Putin. Quote, we have a crazy SOB, that guy Putin and others. And we always have to be worried about a nuclear conflict, but the existential threat to humanity is climate, he said. Okay. Uh, first of all, he's so out of it. So he's talking about the dangers of Putin and he's still talking about the weather. It's the, it's, it's the weather that's really the problem. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin, who again is a canny political operative as well as a vicious dictator, uh, he was asked about Biden's comments. Like, fine, call me a crazy SOB, but I am kicking your ass. <laughs> Listen, we recently talked and you asked me who we prefer as the future president of the United States. I said that we will work with any president, but I believe that for us, for Russia, Biden is more preferable. Biden, Okay, so why is he doing that? Obviously, the speculation is that it's a psyop, essentially, that he's reversing himself, that really he wants Trump, is what the media want to say, that he really, really wants Trump and that he is saying Biden specifically so that people will vote against Biden, thinking that he is working with Biden. Whatever the case may be, the bottom line is that the Biden administration has slow walked aid to Ukraine at the beginning, made absolutely unclear what America's interests are in Ukraine in the first place, which has undermined a lot of American support for Ukraine in the first place. Meanwhile, the president unleashed some new sanctions yesterday. They're on more than 500 targets. Apparently, they're set to be rolled out by the Treasury and State Departments in full today. They come after the White House signaled that they were preparing major penalties after the recent death of Navalny in a Russian prison. This is according to The New York Times. The U.S. has been closely coordinating with Europe in its efforts to cut Russia off from the global economy. This week, the EU unveiled its 13th tranche of sanctions on Russia, banning nearly 200 people and entities that have been helping Russia procure weapons from traveling or doing business within the bloc. Now, listen, if Biden wanted to do more than this, he certainly could. He could be pushing secondary sanctions on major companies that are doing business with the Russians. He could be trying to put pressure on the Chinese and the Iranians. Uh, unfortunately, he's doing none of those things. So again, lack of clarity on policy from the president of the United States. And this, of course, is leading people to think that there is no plan because there kind of isn't, according to Joe Biden. 
According to the same New York Times that has been stumping consistently for support for the war in Ukraine, quote, the Biden administration and European allies call President Putin of Russia a tyrant and a war criminal, but he enjoys a standing invitation to the halls of power in Brazil. The president of Brazil says Ukraine and Russia are both to blame for the war that began with Russia's military invasion. His nation's purchases of Russian energy and fertilizer have soared, pumping billions of dollars into the Russian economy. And uh, as we noted yesterday, the secretary of state went to hang out with Lula and praise him literally yesterday. Two years after the beginning of the war, according to the New York Times, Putin is not nearly as isolated as U.S. officials had hoped. Russia's inherent strength rooted in its vast supplies of oil and natural gas has powered a financial and political resilience that threatens to outlast Western opposition. In parts of Asia, Africa, and South America, his influence is as strong as ever or even growing. His grip on power at home appears as strong as effort as well. The war has undoubtedly taken a toll on Russia. It has wrecked the country's standing with much of Europe. Beyond North America and Europe, however, there is a lot of evidence to the contrary, with China, India, and Brazil buying Russian oil in record quantities. Now, again, this would be an opportunity for the United States to use the power of its LNG industry in order to undercut the Russians. But are they doing that? Nope, because the environmentalists, because the big threat is climate. Meanwhile, are they putting pressure on places like Brazil? No, they were too busy celebrating when Yair Bolsonaro lost the election to Lula da Silva, that corrupt oligarch. Meanwhile, apparently the Pentagon is learning new lessons from the war in Ukraine. And the thing they're mostly learning is that we spend a lot of money on tech and not enough money on, you know, actual weaponry. According to the Washington Post, the character of war is changing. The lessons taken from Ukraine stand to be an enduring resource. The Ukraine conflict has challenged core assumptions. The war has become an attritional slugfest with each side attempting to wear down the other. A model thought to be anachronistic, said Stacey Pettyjohn, director of the defense program at Center for a New American Security. It has complicated a long-held belief in the Pentagon that expensive precision weapons are central to winning America's conflict. GPS-guided munitions provided to Ukraine have proven vulnerable to electronic jamming. Its military has adapted by pairing older unguided artillery with sensors and drones, which can be used to spot targets and refine their shots. So they've also told people to stop using cell phones near the front lines. Personnel portraying enemy forces during one simulated attack were unable to determine the path the helicopter took. But after examining commercially available cell phone data, they were able to map the journey of a device traveling across the desert at 120 miles per hour. And it revealed where an Apache flew to evade the defenses. So again, the American military is uh, is learning some things from this battle. Suffice it to say, however, that Russia so far has survived. If you want to know more about the history of Ukraine that Vladimir Putin cites as his rationale for attacking Ukraine, we did we are putting out an episode of facts that goes through the entire history of Ukraine, what's true, what's not, and all the rest. When it comes to the actual situation in Ukraine, however, again, it's Joe Biden's leadership that has that has been a failure here across the board. It's been a real problem. So what exactly, given the fact that the world is on fire, what exactly are Democrats going to rely upon going into the election? We know the answer to this one. They're going to rely upon abortion. So their, their latest argument with regard to abortion is predicated on an Alabama court decision, a Supreme Court decision ruling that embryos deserve constitutional rights in the state of Alabama, which makes logical sense. Right? If the basic idea is that life begins at conception, and that is the predicate for Alabama law with regard to abortion, then if that life is conceived, even in a Petri dish, then it still deserves a level of protection in the state of Alabama. According to the Washington Post, for patients and their doctors in vitro fertilization or IVF had long been associated with hope and reassurance for the future in Alabama, seeking or providing infertility treatment is now mired in anxiety. That is because the Alabama Supreme Court has ruled that frozen embryos are children and deserving of life and protection, which again makes perfect sense. If it were in a woman's womb, then it would already have the protection of Alabama law. The only question was, if it's located outside the womb, does it no longer have those protections? 
So the question really is, is the definition of life locational or is it not? Just on a logical level. If there's an embryo and it is, again, located outside the womb, is it human life or is it not? Now, again, the entire predicate for the pro-life movement is that location is not the defining feature of what makes human life. It is the, it is the pro-choice movement that suggests that location is what truly matters, right? This is why the pro-choice movement will argue that a baby who's born is a baby, but a baby still in mommy's tummy is just a cluster of cells. And the pro-life movement has argued whether it's in the stomach or out of the stomach is irrelevant. The real question is the definition of life itself. So the Alabama Supreme Court last week ruled that frozen embryos are people and, can sometime, and someone can be held liable for destroying them. The first of its kind ruling came as at least 11 states have broadly defined personhood as beginning at fertilization in their state laws. That Alabama case focused on whether a patient who mistakenly dropped and destroyed other couples' frozen embryos could be held liable in a wrongful death lawsuit. The court ruled the patient could, writing it had long held that unborn children are children. Now, that was also true for frozen embryos, affording the fertilized egg the same protection as babies under the wrongful death of a minor act. Now, again, that makes perfect logical sense. People are trying to say that that's crazy. I, I fail to understand how exactly that's great. The entire predicate for the pro-life position is life begins at conception. If life begins at conception and a child has already been conceived, a human being with potential, then that holds true regardless of the location. The court said it applies to all children born and unborn without limitation. It is not the role of this court to craft a new limitation based on our own view of what is or is not wise public policy. That's especially true here where the people of the state have adopted a constitutional amendment directly aimed at stopping courts from excluding unborn life from legal protection. Now, again, that doesn't mean the legislature couldn't change its mind on IVF or change the law to exempt IVF. But under current law, and it's the job of the Alabama Supreme Court to interpret current law, that is, in fact, what the law says. So this has led to what Democrats thinking is a winning issue, which is the suggestion that IVF will be outlawed everywhere because if you are saying that you have to protect embryos that are conceived, then what do you do with IVF? So my own personal position with regard to IVF has always been that you should incept the number of embryos that you are willing to bear to term. That otherwise you are doing something that is effectively quasi-eugenic. That, that when, you, when you create, say, seven human embryos, and then you discard five of them so that two of them can be implanted, the only thing that separated the five that were discarded from the two that were implanted was your choice. It was not the definition of the life. If you had picked one of the other five, that also would have turned into a human child. And I've seen people who are comparing this to sperm or egg. That's obviously a different thing. Sperm on its own will not grow into a human. An egg on its own will not grow into a human. A fertilized human embryo will, in fact, turn into a human if placed in the proper conditions. And when I say turn into a human, I mean it is a human now. It will turn into a baby if placed in proper conditions. So the Washington Post, of course, is jumping all over this. There are a lot of people, I mean, I know people who have used IVF to conceive. I've offered money to help people use IVF to conceive. My, my only condition in, in actually providing a loan or, or, a, or a charitable giving on that was my own pro-life position, which is implant, them, even if it's more expensive, if you, if you want to implant two embryos, then conceive two embryos. That, that is the pro-life position on this particular measure. Now, does that make for awkward politics? Sure, because pro-life always makes for awkward politics. The reality is that the vast majority of Americans are like in the in the 15 to 16 to 12 week stage with regard to where they think abortion is and is not appropriate. That doesn't mean they're right. A lot of people think a lot of things about morality that are wrong, as it turns out. However, the attempts to, to paint, uh, two things can be true at once. One, the Alabama Supreme Court is totally correct, morally and legally speaking, 
And second, this can be politically damaging for Republicans. Those two things can certainly coexist. There are a lot of things that you say that are true that are not necessarily politically helpful. Democrats are counting on that. So according to the Medical Association of the State of Alabama, the significance of this decision impacts all Alabamians and will likely lead to fewer babies, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, and cousins as fertility options become limited for those who want to have a family. Earlier on Wednesday, Beth Malizia, a partner at Alabama Fertility, had to call four of her patients, all of whom were scheduled for embryo transfers in a few hours, to tell them the clinic was pausing all transfers for at least a day or two. The decision to cancel embryo transfers, but to continue with other procedures like planned egg retrievals, was made under the guidance of the clinic's lab directors and lawyers. The four patients will now have to wait at least a month for their next ovulation to start an embryo transfer. No one was confident, I guess, at the at the clinic that if an embryo failed to thaw, that they wouldn't be held liable. Well, that, that's a different thing. I mean, that, again, I'm, I'm confused as to why you would misinterpret that idea. So if you, un, you have a frozen embryo, you unfreeze the embryo and it fails to thaw properly and unfortunately it dies. That is not an act of, of murder. That is an accident. That is, a, that is what happens with many human embryos that do not come to fruition. And a huge number of miscarriages are, are effectively spontaneous abortions by the body. So, again, as always in politics, two things can be true at once. The right position can be politically damaging. Democrats are counting on that full stop. Does that mean the end of IVF? No, it means much more careful use of IVF and serious thought about how many embryos ought to be fertilized in order to be implanted. It will lead to fewer embryos being fertilized and fewer embryos implanted and also fewer embryos being randomly discarded. Alrighty, folks, coming up, we'll jump into the vaunted Ben Shapiro Show mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 